The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome into the Hoop Ball Celtics podcast here with me. I got Lucas here, my co-host with me. Lucas, you want to shout out anything right now? Uh, yeah, you can just follow me at Luca underscore Gainer. That's L-U-C-A underscore G-A-Y-N-O-R. Uh, keep you posted on all the stuff happening with the Celtics. Uh, that's where you can find me. Also find me on Twitter at Ball and Opinions. It's B-A-L-I-N. O-P-I-N-I-O-N-S. You can also follow the show at Hoopball Celtics. Go like us up on um, Spotify. If you can, we're streaming all on Spotify. We're also on Apple Podcasts, where you can also rate, review the show, leave leave whatever you want to leave there. Just give us that five-star rating. It helps us out a lot. We appreciate it. And uh, today, we're just going to jump into uh, some summer league action. We're going to talk about Jason Tatum getting a gold medal and uh, – we're going to talk about a, a new acquisition for the Boston Celtics that uh, Lucas and I might be, might not be excited about. What do you think about uh, Jason Tatum uh, getting that gold medal, Lucas? How was that no, watching him? Uh, it, it, was it was almost like Celtic-like, right? No, it was wonderful. It was wonderful to see um, the USA as a team pull it out together um, and get that gold medal, uh, especially watching Jason you know, get the medal was amazing, especially how well he performed throughout the Olympics. Um, you know, he had a couple down games, but overall he was our second-leading scorer. He was really good, especially in that gold medal game. He was quite good. So, man, it's, it's always glorious to see uh, – you know the U.S. raised the raised the gold medal, but especially when uh, a Celtic is there to do it with the rest of the team. Yeah, yeah, man. I think one of my favorite parts was when he, after he won the gold medal, he came back, and he was in Vegas the day after he won a gold medal at the club with Jalen Brown, and Jalen Brown was over there celebrating with him and everything. It's just so funny because you know I have some of the media in the Boston area is always like, oh, these guys don't really get along. They're not like buddies or anything. But they're like they're like a little comfortable around each other if, uh, for not yeah. being buddies. Now, listen, if if Jalen is comfortable enough to take Jason's gold medal and run around the club with it, I don't think we have any chemistry concerns uh, on the horizon with our two young superstars. No, no way. Well, absolutely. And uh, the reason, you know, Jalen Brown has been in summer league, he's actually been supporting uh, – the summer league uh, team that the Celtics have constructed together there uh, down uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, we want to jump into some of the action that we've been seeing so far in that. Oh, listen, summer league is one of my favorite things when it comes to basketball, um, just because it kind of breaks. I know the lull wasn't that long this year because of the weird season, but it breaks that little no basketball lull in everyone's lives. Um, and even if it can get sloppy at times, man, it is really a beautiful thing. Um, so the first game against Atlanta was quite a good game, actually. Uh, we saw a lot of different things. Um, you know, first I'm going to start with my guy, Yam Madar. We finally got to see him at Celtics Green. Um, he only played 17 or 18 minutes, but he was phenomenal. You know, he flashed that pesky defensive uh, instincts that, you know, he showed throughout his time in the Israeli league. Uh, he showed the ability to run a pick and roll. He threw a brilliant uh, pocket pass, um, you know, for a, for a layup for a big man. We've got on the team. Um, you know, he was really crafty, had great touch, a couple of really hard shots he made. Um, you know, even being the Yam Yam fan. Oh, hello? Can you guys still can you still hear me, Patrick? Yeah, I'm still hearing you. I still got you. Okay, okay. Yeah, I was about to say just, you know, being the the huge fan I've been of him for the last couple of years, you know, when he was kind of like unknown he still even then did some things that really impressed me on the court in summer league so uh how are you feeling about the first yam sighting uh in, in boston green yeah man i think my first takeaway was like looking at some of the film on him because i wasn't able to catch the game live was um i did see that he had a lot of poise to him he had kind of like this leadership type quality to him which was nice to see he definitely like physically just seems a little smaller than I had anticipated as far as like weight wise and just bulk wise. Um, but he did have a lot of energy. I think he came in, he changed the tempo of the game and the way he is able to run an offense, he seems very poised. And I, I like the way that uh, he really can navigate an offensive team. Um, I think he gets players in good positions to succeed. And I like his playmaking potential. Um, I do just have that concern of his, his body, like uh, how is he going to be able to defend an elite point guard in the league 
you know, 98 feet and, and be able to be up in there grilling and literally defend from full court. You know, it's, it's a little bit different when the, it's a Russell Westbrook or, you know, a John Morant on the other side of the court. Oh, totally. Um, you know, and this is summer league, so obviously we can't get too carried away with anything. Um, but, you know, my first note that I had on Yam was that the Celtics went down 9-0 or 10-0, actually. But the first shot of him um, in a Celtics jersey was him clapping, trying to get the rest of the team going when we were down 10-0. Now, later... looks weak uh he does not look like he has an nba body um yet and i assume i'll go back to israel and work that out over the next uh 12 months yeah that was the the big concern and takeaway that i had seen from him but other than that like i mean he, he shows a lot of different type of qualities and maturity in his game and i i think one more year overseas especially you know for for him just to work on his physical body I think can can really benefit the Celtics and himself and, and give him a chance to really make a roster. I don't know, man, he, he still might make the roster. Um, I'm not saying that it's fully out of the picture. You got guys like Carson Edwards and stuff that are still fighting for a roster spot. And I, I think I'd rather at this point, you know, no offense to Carson Edwards, who he's, he's always good in the summer league, but you know, like we said, you know, we don't get too high or too low when it comes to these games. It's just, a quick observation of talent and it's, you know, take it at a grain of salt, but there's certain things you just want to see. Um, you just want to see like some guys who are coming back the second time, like a Pritchard, Denise Smith and Linkford, see what they're, they're currently working on. What is, what are they starting to do now that is a really key point of, of the summer league and what are they really focused on trying to, you know, put into their game and put it into their bag, see how they can put it into the NBA level. Um, but speaking of those guys, man, um, Neesmith from the field in this game, uh, what do you think about his shot selection? Sorry, can you hear me? Am I cutting out? Because it says that I have a local, bad connection. Yes, I can. All right, so, yeah, um, no, Neesmith looked terrific. But I just want to touch on, um, you know, a couple of things that you just brought up before uh, we move on is that, so Yam, you know, we have his rights until we can bring him over next year for summer league, and then we have his rights then. We'd have to sign him to a contract after that. Um, but with, uh, you know, Dennis coming in, Dennis Schroeder, this point guard coming in, that all but guarantees Yam will go back to Israel uh, for this next year, work on his body, keep working on his game um, and figuring things out. Um, we could still offer him the two-year minimum, but, you know, that's not going to happen because of his body and now Dennis getting brought in. But, uh you asked about Neesmith. You're just wondering how what I thought of his performance in the second uh, game. Yeah, they, in though in the game one and just game oh. one, I, I thought so, his slot, shot selection and everything. It looked like he just. Well, to be honest, um, you know, he was forced into some tough end of the end of the shot clock shots. Um, but he, you know, with me in summer league, I think I really like to make the point that this is all about process over results. Um, you know, obviously you like to see good results, but it's really the process that I'm evaluating in, in summer league. Um, so Neesmith, you know, he was flying around on defense like he does. He was taking catch-and-shoot threes, a couple of them maybe too contested. Uh, but, you know, I think he was pretty good in the first game. He just didn't make the shots, really. But he was not as bad as maybe his stat line looked, in my opinion. Now, also, something right. else I'll address is that you said fighting for a roster spot. I'm just going to say this to Celtics fans. Unfortunately, I think Carson Edwards' fight is pretty much over. Um, out. Um, if Carson was on the Celtics roster this year. I would love to see Carson succeed, but that's uh, just not the right situation for him here in Boston. Yeah, you no, know, I just think I, that he needs to have the ball in his hands to succeed, and there just will be no place for that uh, in our. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think Carson Edwards is is coming to the end of his Celtics career. Um, but I do I do want to say that um, based on some of the things with Neesmith in that first game, I. Supposed to be in, or where, what you know, spot he's supposed to be in. He had a few times he just kind of looked with his head cut off, and that was like some of the issues back in the day, and everything like that. And just this is his first summer league, man. He didn't have a summer league last year. It's like he's a rookie. It's like a lot of these rookies didn't have that chance. 
another guy who was a, a rookie with Neesmith last year is Peyton Pritchard, who was a four-year college player. So he definitely has a little bit more poise to him and everything. And he's definitely showing that he has a different level of maturity and feel for the game, especially in the summer league. He looks like he shouldn't be in summer league. Uh, what do you think? Uh, honestly, I didn't even talk about Peyton because he looked like a uh, cut above the rest, really. Uh, he had a really bad first half, uh, frankly, uh, in the Atlanta game. And in the second half, he was phenomenal. Uh, he made a bunch of super deep threes, was making the right play, was playing good defense. Uh, he just made up – he was, you know, it's just probably a little bit of summer league jitters is all in the first half. He really made up for it in the second half. Um, you know, Neesmith, to me, I only had a couple notes on him from the first game. I said I really like his shot. His three looks amazing. And then I just did not see um, the on-ball potential yet. He still was out of control with the ball in his hands. Um, now, with that being said, I know he, he was terrific in the second game. But the guy I can't believe we haven't talked about yet either. Is our is your guy? I should say Romeo Langford. Uh, Romeo, man, Romeo, Romeo. So listen, I'll let you go in on him, um, but I just want to say, like I said earlier, it's process over results. You know, Romeo looks so much more fluid, dribbling, passing, and shooting the ball than he ever did before. Now, I understand, of course, it's summer league, right? But with summer league, I want you to at least look like you're fitting in. You know, if you're not going to dominate, I want you to look like. You're an NBA player playing against some players who are maybe not NBA players. And I think Romeo showed me that with his fluidity. Um, and also a game-winning three-pointer. Uh, his shot looks awesome. I can't wait to see the work that uh, Romeo puts in on his shot with the new shot doctor we just hired. Um, and I will say, you know, just because I say he looks fluid, I do not mean he cannot improve on his shooting and his dribbling and his passing. He definitely should and needs to. But the fact that it's fluid and natural and he's not hesitating, I think signals that he took an actual step as a bat. Yeah, man, I'm a, I'm a big uh, Romeo Langford believer. You know, this, he's been rehabbing a lot of his past uh, off seasons. And he had himself a solid outing in game one, man. He's 12 points, four assists, six rebounds, and a game winner. Like, there's not much you can ask for. I mean, he was four of nine from the field, three of seven from deep. He had a solid one with the preseason and Romeo showed some flashes. The only thing I, I personally didn't like is I, I feel like it almost seems that he's not giving his hundred. I don't know if he's taking summer league as serious is my thing. And it's like, I just want to see him put in some full effort. I want him to demand the ball. Um, you know, I see Neesmith shot 14 times. Pritchard shot 18 times. Pritchard's the most NBA ready. He's probably got the least amount to prove on the team at this point. He's pretty solidified. He's he's gonna have a role in the team. Langford is is the guy. Is like man, you you have half the shots of a guy who's already proven. Like you see Neesmith out here chucking fourteen shots. You should definitely be trying to get around twelve shots a game. You know, I want to see even if you're kind of forcing it a little bit. I'm cool with it, man. I just want to see. I want to see how the form looks. I want to see how comfortable you are shooting it off the dribble. You know, spot up. I just want to see how comfortable you are shooting the basketball more often and get that volume in, man. This is These are important reps to, to really get fluidity going in your shot and get that confidence going. So that's no, I'm fully with you. Going. No, I'm fully with you, Patrick. I want him to be more assertive offensively. Um, and I have a feeling in this third game we're going to see Carson play a little bit less, have a little bit less of that green light. And honestly, I think they're going to kind of force feed Romeo into doing exactly what you're talking about to see – Come on, man, like step up and eat the food that's on your plate. You know what I mean? He's got to take those 12, 13, 14, 15 shots. Like like you're saying, these are really important reps because, uh, you know, I'd wager there probably isn't a game where Romeo Langford shoots 10, 15 times in a game in the NBA season. So he needs to get that in now uh, while he can to, you know, get himself, uh, you know, really acclimated to the uh, speed of the NBA game if he's going to be a rotation player for us. Uh, but frankly, honestly, I know it's just summer league and this is an overreaction, but and we'll segue into the talking about Dennis here in a second, but I'm really confident really with where, where the Celtics are at. And I love how many people are sleeping on what they can do and what they can be as a team. Personally. Uh, I think we only need a couple of young guys to step up and I believe in them. And I think Dennis, uh, we can get into this. Uh, well, actually we'll talk about the second game first. So I just think the Celtics, people are sleeping. Uh, they should definitely, they'll be woken up 40 games into the season. That's for dang sure. Oh, 100%. I think uh, I think 
it's it's great though like right in the past it's when we're the underdogs going into a season we normally overperform when we're favorites in the season we normally have stuff that just gets in the way so it's kind of like it's almost like a pressure off being an underdog you know it's less stress it's less expectations and you just feel like all right cool new coach new system like we could definitely shock the world in the league in this in this one, but uh, yeah, away from that first game, uh, the you know we we played against the Hawks, eighty five eighty three win. Romeo Langford ended up hitting the game winner, and then we go on to game two where it was just a cruise. That you know this is a Celtics team that has a lot of really good talent on this team, and probably one of the better summer league rosters, just because based off the guys that have gotten some play in the NBA. Um, I did uh, hear the the comments from the summer league coach about how Grant Williams isn't on the roster and doesn't know why I thought that was kind of weird. I also don't know why Grant Williams wouldn't be on the summer league roster. I feel like this is a uh, definitely some reps that he could benefit from. I think Grant Williams would have made more sense on the roster than Peyton Pritchard personally. What do you think about that Lucas? Yeah. You know, I'm going to have to agree with you there. Um, as much as I love seeing Peyton, you know, really dominate the competition, crossing up some players who will not be named and then hitting a three-pointer. Um, you know, I do think that Grant probably needs these reps a little bit more than uh, a little bit more than Peyton does. Uh, I would agree with that. Yeah, I love our uh, – the summer league coach, by the way, is a great, great, uh, great basketball guy, Joe Missoula. I don't know. He used to play for West Virginia. Really gritty defense. He fits right in with Emay's culture. I just want to toss that in there he was actually a part of uh brad stevens staff too so he, he carried over yeah he's um, been around so it wasn't wasn't any yeah so he was he was let to let to believe but yeah he mentioned that in like the the press conference i just thought it was interesting how he said he doesn't know why grant is not on the summer league roster kind of like a, a a shade of a hit of like saying he probably well, should be but i don't know why it's definitely a message he's definitely sending a message to grant that's at the very least that's what that is but see missoula always at least from how he played I would have to wager that he's a really straight shooting guy. Like he's not, he's not going to pull any punches. He's going to really say how he feels. So, you know, he probably just thinks Grant can use the reps just like we do. And I don't think he's, uh, I don't think he's wrong. Yeah. And then speaking about Peyton Pritchard, man, we were talking about how like he, he probably doesn't deserve, he, he showed in game two. Why exactly? He, he probably shouldn't be in the summer league. Um, six of 10 from the field, four or five from deep, really efficient. 12, 21 points, 12 assists, 8 rebounds. He was 2 rebounds away from a triple-double in Game 2. Man, he was just full control. The Celtics blew away the Nuggets for a 107-82 win and, you know, meaningless summer league games, but we're here to overreact to it and, and dive into some of the guys and what they look like. Um, Yam, Yam had a tough one, man. This was the one where it's like he had the defender kind of body him up. Nah, you know, the 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 physicality came to the play and you know he shot oh three from the field he had zero points one assist and zero rebounds like it's and that's you know don't get too high don't get too low moment his first game was probably a lot of Celtics fans getting too high I'm saying don't get too low in this moment either we understand that he has physical limitations as far as a basketball player goes but uh, it's something that he can grow into his body and, and get a lot more physical and really work on building his core strength and being able to be at a level where he can guard an NBA talent physical player. But uh, yeah, he, he definitely struggled in game two. Um, game two was kind of the, the Aaron Eastman show, man. Uh, dude was looking like Ray Allen. I know Lucas, you saw some of the, the highlights of Aaron. Eastman. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately I couldn't catch the game. It, uh, I had a work conflict, but um, yeah, he looked unbelievable in the highlights, man. I was just blown away. Um, because, you know, I had written down in my notes on the first game that he was out of control. I wrote it down a couple different times. Uh, and he apparently must have, you know, calmed himself down and figured it out. He was very in control. He was coming off picks. He had this beautiful step back uh, three-pointer right in the face of the defender. Um, he was feeling it, man. He was putting the ball on the floor. He was, you know, taking, being aggressive, going to the rim, got a few layups. Uh, he really hustles and getting the rebounds. You know, he, he creates a lot of extra opportunities for himself, for his teammates. And he's, he just looked confident shooting the, the thing, man. He led the, led the team in points, led the whole game in points. He had 33 points, 7 of 9 from deep, 13 of 18 from the field, uh, 7 rebounds, 2 assists. He was doing it all, man. He, he was playing solid defense making sure that he was crashing the boards, and I thought he played really well. Um, a guy, you know, we talked about Romeo. 
he just he went away, man. I don't know what happened in this game. He, he shot four shots. That's a shot a quarter, man. You, you played almost 30 minutes in the second game, and you're going to shoot only four shots. Um, now, now, Mark, you know, he he did have a, a pretty highlight moment in that second quarter at about the 310 mark. Whew. Did he ever? Oh yeah, he goodness. had an emphatic jam, man. He just, I feel like he went like on like level, you know, like he was like in the elevator, man. He's like, you know, let me just go to level twelve. No, you know, he just you know left the, the defender impressive? down there at the level five. It was just insane. No, the most impressive part about that dunk is that he dunked. Both feet were outside of the restricted area. Like, you know, that might not seem like a lot when you're first thinking about it, but go to a basketball court and jump from outside the restricted circle. And, you know, you might not even be able to touch the net, let alone dunk it with the authority that he did. I mean, wow. Yeah, man. Uh, And that's why I'm with you, Patrick, when I wanted to be more assertive because he has the athletic gifts um, to be like a a terrific, terrific NBA player on defense and, you know, be a slasher, creator, you know, potential shooter on offense too. So I really need to see that aggression uh, from Romeo. Um, Or else, you know, it's just hard to see how much he could really impact the game. Like I need to see that aggression. Yeah, Romeo's offense is going to be kind of like the thing I'm going to lock in on as far as these preseason games continue. And I'm, I just want to see a lot more aggressiveness from him, man. Just just be assertive, whether it's creating for others. I mean, he only had one assist tonight or, or in, that, in that game as well. One assist and eight points. Eight points, one assist, one rebound. Like, you, you can do more than that. You, you've been in the yeah. league for three years. I know you've been rehabbing a lot of those years. But at the same time, like – the speed of the game, the knowledge of the plays and everything, like you're not thinking anymore. You're reacting. Go out there and abuse the competition. I want to see you separate yourself from these guys. You should exactly. be separating yourself like Pritchard is at this point. Yeah. No, I'm with you. And to be fair, it was a blowout game. So, you know, it's not like he played crazy minutes. But And I know the shots can't come from everywhere, but I would just like an overall little bit more of a serve from Romeo, especially on the offensive end. Uh, I'm totally right there with you. Um, yeah. But you know, do you have any other th- any other notes in game two? I will um, say no, no. Game two, that's it was it was pretty much a, a bloodbath, man. It's yeah, they, I know they really dominated. It looked like I will say our draft pick, um, Johan Begarin uh, from France. He's an athletic monster. I should have mentioned. I should have mentioned this earlier. He had the game clinching steal in game one on the inbounds pass after Romeo hit that three pointer. Uh, he clearly is a good defender already. Uh, he, he's just going to spend a couple more years in France refining his offensive game. Honestly, I think the Celtics uh, International Scouting Department deserves their flowers because they brought us Tice. They brought us Wanamaker. Poirier, he didn't work out, but he was an NBA-level rotation guy. And I genuinely believe that Yam and Yuhan can pan out as actual NBA players. Not superstars, but they can pan out. So... I just want to make sure they get their flowers because the Celtics have consistently looked overseas for talent and found it. No, man. That's definitely true. Like, it's a great job by the scouting department. And those are the last bit of, like, um, as far as Yam, that's the last Danny Ainge prospect, man. That's it. That's that's what we got left. Hopefully he leaves us. everybody else that's on the roster. Hopefully he leaves us a legend, you know? Absolutely. You want to jump into this uh, this amazing signing here, man? Uh, How do you – Go ahead and beat it off, man. I'll let you. I'll let you dive into. I, I mean, know you've been like seriously. So for those who don't know, yeah, I honestly, Patrick, I the, see. I almost called you the second this happened, but I figured it would be a little better for me to digest my thoughts first, and then uh, and then talk to talk to you about it on the pod. Now I see Dylan down there says that he has to change the number. Um, I'm totally in agreement with that. You know, John Havlicek, he's a Celtics legend. I saw someone ask Keith Smith on Twitter today if the Celtics would consider unretiring it. Uh, I would say they should, you know, do a little research into Celtics history before they ask such a question. But let's get on to Dennis. Okay. I was so happy with this deal. Um, so we got him for who, anyone who doesn't know. We got him for the taxpayer MLE, $5.9 million for one season uh, to join the Boston Celtics. Um, and now remember, this is a player that the Lakers averaged, I mean offered, excuse me, four years for $84 million. So he was offered an average of $21 million per year. And we're getting him for one year on 5.9. To me, this is a high reward, low risk scenario. Um, Worst case scenario, you cut him and nothing really happens. Um, Best case scenario, in my opinion, 
uh, you might have a different opinion. Best case scenario, in my opinion, is that he plays a terrific season for us. He plays all the way through the deadline, helps us make a playoff run, and then maybe goes, gets a bag somewhere else. Um, and if he's really amazing for us, you know, this is going to sound not like me at all. If Smart turns down that extension and we can get uh, Dennis on a little bit more of a reliable deal, I wouldn't rule that out. Um, but, you know, I think that he could really help us uh, down the stretch as a six-man um, and before I let you dive into it, I'll just say my favorite part about this is that he comes in with no expectation of starting. So he's going to, you know, of course he's going to want to fight for that starting job, but you know, uh, he's not expecting it. So I think that's really important, uh, bringing him in on board to like, you know, hop in with the Celtics have going. Yeah. And I, I'll like pay, piggyback on that idea as well as like, he doesn't have the expectation to start. But it also doesn't really matter. I mean, there's plenty of moments like in, in Marcus Smart's career where he was coming off as a sixth man, but he'd finish games. So I think this could be a situational type of situation for Dennis where if he really got it going as a sixth man and it's five minutes left in the game and it's a pretty close game, you might want somebody out there with the ability to get a bucket. You know, like they're going to, they might just go small and just say, screw it, we're going to run a, a Dennis Smart, Jalen Brown, Tatum, and Rob slash Horford, you know, whichever one you want to put out there at that night. You know, we don't know how, you know, either one's health is going to be or who can play on a back-to-back and stuff. But I think Dennis has every right to, you know, work hard and, and get an opportunity to close out games as well. I think Ime is going to be very open to the idea of letting yes. players really work for minutes. So that's something I'm excited Agreed. for as well. Now, and I will also say uh, uh, an important note that came with this uh, signing in this report is that um, all the playing time decisions will come from the coaching staff and from Ime Udoka's side of things, not Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens will not have a uh, have a say in the playing time. And I personally like that because I want my yeah, coach. No rotations either. I, I, no, exactly. I want my coach to do the coaching and I want my – president of basketball ops to be the president of basketball ops. I don't want him to try and coach the team. So I personally love to hear that, that it's going to be uh, uh, centered around what Udoka wants because he's our coach. So I think that's what should happen. Uh, but I just, that's a little side note I saw in the report. No, absolutely. That's, that's a good, uh, a good indication there. And I, I do like that Ime is going to have full, full blown, you know, acceptance of making all decisions, man, and and really gets to learn what it's like to be an NBA coach, and he's going to do it with some talented players on the roster, man. This this team is looking a lot different than what I think I even expected to start the year. Um, just to kind of give like a little rundown, you know, the Celtics lost out on signing Fournier. You bring in Josh Richardson. There's no more Tristan Thompson. You bring back in Al Horford. Luke Cornett not on the roster anymore. We're bringing back Ennis Cantor. No more Tremont Waters. Well, we brought in Chris Dunn. Like these are these are solid moving pieces that we replaced, and I'm excited to see what Celtics are. The 5.9 million MLE, which is insane uh, value, I believe. And I'm in the position where, you know, I'm a little different as far as the best case scenario. I think there's a, the best case scenario is Dennis starts playing crazy good and he's on this 5.9 contract and the Celtics are just able to flip it. Like if they're able to just flip that contract for something, you know, whether it's a first round pick and, you know, some cash considerations or something, man, if they can get something out of them like that. That's a win, man. It was the guy who's just trying to prove something and us with an MLE to use. So it's it's a win-win situation for both people. You know, if it don't work out, it's no harm, no foul. We got you on a one-year deal, man. We didn't want anything long-term. We're keeping our financial flexibility for the future. And you get the opportunity to get that bag again. Yeah, totally. And that's what I really – I would love to see Dennis play amazing into the playoffs and then someone pay him who is not the Celtics. And I hope we sign a smart sign to the extension – because I do think Dennis Schroeder is a much better player than $5.9 million per year. And honestly, the jokes are flying on social media. And, you know, maybe I thought oh, the first couple were funny, but then honestly, they started to not really sit right with me. Um, and also, he's making $6 million next year. So let's not act like, you know, that's a slouch's salary in the grand scheme of things. But I do think Dennis is worth a lot more as a player um, than just $6 million, which is why this is such a terrific deal for the team. Um, now, with that being said, if he's playing terrific – Flipping him for something at the deadline, I think, is not a terrible move. 
with that being said, I do think there's some value in keeping him through the deadline and making a playoff run this year, um, as opposed to just trading him just to trade him because he'll be leaving in free agency. Because, you know, we won't have his bird rights. So if Smart signs that extension, uh, there's pretty much no way we'll be, we'll be able to bring back Dennis. Um, but uh, either way, I think it's a win-win situation. I really yeah, man, I'm I'm excited to bring Dennis onto this team. I think he's going to add a, a lot of value. Uh, he he's definitely an upgrade uh, as far as defense goes at the point guard position outside of Marcus Smart. Now, you know we don't have this Kemba Walker, you know, small guard he stretches. He can also like finish games out or come off the bench. And sometimes this, it's going to be interesting on how they use Pritchard with him because I think Pritchard's still good enough to get minutes, but it's I don't know how they're gonna play next to each other because uh, he's he's so ball dominant in a scoring type guard. Maybe I think uh, Peyton Pritchard is gonna be playing more of a Fred Van Vliet type of style where he's just gonna be like a catch and shoot type guy, and Schroeder's gonna run the offense and try to get his his first and then get everybody else involved. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it's gonna be a very interesting dynamic to see how they integrate Peyton Pritchard and Dennis Schroeder off the bench. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. Um, I will say, though, the, the Celtics point guards' needs, I think, are completely gone now. Uh, we finally get to see starter point smart, which you know a, bun- a large contingent of Celtics fans have wanted to see. Our backup now, we arguably have the best backup point guard in the league. You know, Monte Morris, he's up there. There's probably a couple other guys, too. Um, and then Pritchard, who was you know, a really promising young player, as we all know. Um, we could use a tad bit of wing depth. Obviously, you know, the, the market for wings at this point in free agency is pretty... Slim pickings, you know, Paul Millsap is out there on a minimum. That's probably not realistic, but I would love that. Um, but, yeah, man, I'm really interested to see how he fits because, you know, I think he knows he's playing for a contract and, you know, he's going to have a chance to earn 30-plus minutes if he's playing amazing. So I think, you know, it's a great situation for Dennis. I really, I really think it is. And definitely a great situation for the Celtics. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think with a lot of the additions that the Celtics have added, I think they've emphasized that – defense is going to be our calling card like that is a huge focal point with these guys are bringing in even Dennis Schroeder who's who's a above average defender I think we're getting away from the whole small guard players that we have had in the past the Kyrie Irvings the Isaiah Thomases the Kemba Walkers like it's it's nice and refreshing to know that like we're not throwing a defensive liability scoring small guard out there anymore and that we're we're going to be throwing Marcus Smart and Dennis Schroeder at you and hounding you as far as defensively goes. So we have a lot of promise on the defensive side of things. The only signing that obviously doesn't boost us in defense is Ennis Cantor, but that man is is probably not going to get much playing time outside of you know when Horford probably does can't play in a back. Yeah, I mean, and we'll touch on Cantor quickly for one year, two point seven, two point eight mil. I mean. As a third big, I'm not mad at that at all. He's some instant offense off the bench. Obviously, I know his defensive limitations. I, I it infuriates me, frankly, to watch him get cooked in the pick and roll over and over again. But that usually doesn't happen in the playoffs, and I'm sure he won't see too many minutes in the playoffs. Um, and at least, hopefully not. Um, and then another thing I want to mention is that this Dennis move is great because yes, right now we're in the tax, but if we uh, do not. If we do not guarantee Jabari Parker's money and we trade Chris Dunn, then we will be fully underneath the tax line, um, which is good if we can get under there. Uh, personally, I would love us to keep Chris Dunn just for that defensive identity, but I understand the backcourt uh, The backcourt rotation is going to be crowded if he stays, so I would assume he's most likely gone. And then, just quickly, I'll bring this up. Um, this is something I was thinking about the other day. I think that the Celtics have an argument to have the most switchable lineup in the NBA from one to five. We have Smart, um, Jay Rich, Jalen, Jason, and Rob Will. Like, I'm not saying every single person. Like, obviously, Rob Williams is not guarding a point guard for 10, 15 seconds of a possession. Um, but he is pretty solid on the perimeter. And um, I know all those guys can switch one through four. Uh, the the point guard, the shooting guard, the small forward, and the power forward. They can switch one through four. And, you know, I'll even live with Smart on a big man for, you know, a good five or six seconds. So uh, I just am so excited to see the defensive potential that this team can, like, really bring to the forefront because we were sorely lacking it. No, yeah, 100%. I think this is a, this is a team that's going to be a lot more committed in the defensive side of the ball. We did rank in the bottom half of the NBA 
as far as defense, team defense went. And I think with the addition of Schroeder, it's only going to help us more, especially in our second unit defensive, defensively. And I think uh, as far as our wing depth, we're going to be really relying on guys like Romeo and Aaron Neesmith to kind of be a little bit more dedicated on, a little bit more relied on because we're thin out in that wing department. You know, when Tatum and Brown are not on the floor, we're going to need guys to come in and, and just play solid, contribute, you know. We're not asking you to take over the offensive load or anything. Dennis Schroeder is going to be able to run in that second unit and really score. I think Peyton Pritchard can help with scoring in the second unit. So we really need those guys to just be able to defend and give Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown some breaks. And hopefully we were able to straggle their minutes so they're not always on, on the bench, you know, resting at the same time. Yeah, exactly. I was about to say, I think Emmanuel staggered the Jays a lot. Um, so we'll expect to see, you know, a full bench unit in one of the Jays. So what if we had... Schroeder, um, Neesmith, Jason, Horford, and like Romeo or even Pritchard if we want to play a little bit smaller. Like I'm sure those lineups, like one J and four bench members, uh, will be pretty – will use be used pretty. No, 100%. And um, that, that kind of concludes everything as far as the, the Dennis Schroeder talks for me. I don't know if you had anything else to add on that situation. No, not not really. Um, but we Just are cannot emphasize we, how happy I am with the move. No, I'm I'm extremely happy. I think it's a good addition for the value. The value is there, and then uh, we're also recording this uh, podcast on Green Room, um, Spotify Green Room. Get in any Apple Store and everything like that. Um, you can come and check us out. We're on a live show, so we let people in the comments and stuff ask questions and stuff like that. Which we are going to open up the floor to everybody in the crowd. If you wanted to ask a question or anything pertaining to the the Boston Celtics, you can also request to come up and, and talk as well. Right. Send those requests. Let's see here. Hey, how's it going, Ben? What's up, guys? Um, have a pretty good day, yeah. Yeah, man, having a really good day. Yeah, man. Yeah, dude. So, yeah, equally amped about the Schroeder thing. What a crazy pickup. I mean, like for that value, um, insane. It was amazing. It was amazing because a lot of my friends have, you know, I, I live in Atlanta, so like the Hawks are like I kind of consider the Hawks and Celtics in the same category as like a young Eastern team that's like maybe not contending yet, but has the pieces to contend for the East in the future, I guess. Um, I like the Celtics more so because they have, you know, Brown who's better than anyone in the Hawks besides Trey. But um, anyways, my whole point is like a lot of my friends were like, yeah, the Celtics, man, they're doing nothing. Like they're they're being so stupid. Like how do they let Kemba go? How are they they don't sign forty? I'm like, well, you guys clearly don't know the financial situation, but whatever. And then I'm telling them like they're kind of just buying their time. Like I think they're looking at it like you know. They're trying to get on their luxury tax, you know. They're 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 kind of like looking ahead to like the next free agency with Beal and everything, and then Schroeder falls in our laps, and it's like amazing. And they they're like saying nothing now. They're like, because they, all they were saying was, "You guys need a point guard." That's all my buddies were saying. They're like, you need a point guard, and I'm like, dude, first of all, smart average six assists. He's not that bad. He didn't even play point guard most of the season. He average six assists playing shooting guard. So I'm like, he's not a bad playmaker. And now we've got four, in my opinion for like really that's a really good set of guards richardson dunn uh schroeder smart on defense like the defense for me is what excites me the most about the celtics this season um i don't know about you guys but that's something we lost completely now we got Eno Odoka, who you know was with the spurs so maybe he'll stop us from jacking up threes when we get more panicking and you know he's a good defensive coach apparently so i think that's a i think it's a perfect guard to have gotten especially for the value oh, um, yeah. my one right thing i know i ranted a little bit there but my one question yeah. is i actually i don't know what you guys think about this but i actually had a, a kind of a different lineup envisioned i actually have schroeder for me schroeder's was kind of a start in my mind I, actually horford was a start in my mind but i wanted to see y'all's thoughts on that um i had schroeder and smart maybe um just because i don't i don't know if pritchard and schroeder like i feel like smart and richardson are like Guy, well, smart can play point and shooting so it's like Pritchard and Schroeder are both I feel like mostly ball dominant or not ball dominant but like point guards so I don't know if I like that as the bench backcourt but what are y'all's thoughts on that no I think that's a very fair point because I think yeah. off the bench 
it's not like Pritchard and Jay Rich is any slouch of a backcourt off the bench. And I would agree that uh, Peyton and Jay Rich probably complement each other a little bit uh, better, especially because of the size. That's what I was uh, more saying. than yeah. more than Schroeder and uh, more than Schroeder and Pritchard. So I don't think that's crazy at all. Uh, personally, I just think that the switchability, like you're saying, the thing I'm most excited for as well is defense. I just think that lineup right there with Smart and Jay Rich and uh, the other three guys I mentioned, uh, the Jays and Rob Will. I mean, that's clamps. That's clamps. Yeah, that is just such a switchable, fluid lineup. Uh, you know, we have Rob Williams, who's a who's a rim protector. You know, I still want to see him take some strides, uh, making like fundamental uh, rim protections, like as opposed to just the the gaudy block numbers. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think that's going to be a terrific defensive lineup. Uh, so I'm with you there that that's the part I'm most excited for. And I also think, yeah, you have a good point, man, that, uh, you know, that might comp- they might complement each other a little bit. My, my pushback with as far as Schroeder starting next to Smart is that I think him coming off the bench is going to allow him to get up the amount of shots that he's probably going to want to without seeming like he's forcing that's it a, or stepping on to yeah. Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown's toes. Because at the end of the day, you know, those are the, your two options. Schroeder would be the third option. But say one of those guys comes off the floor, you know, he could be a little bit more fluid and not feel as much as like he's not in the pecking order as much, you know, yeah. when he's coming in off the bench. I just think Schroeder is the perfect six man. It's yeah, just, you know, there's nothing great, wrong with that. There's point. nothing wrong with that. Because and that remember, was the, we lacked last year, right? We will look at last year, and as soon as Jason Tatum and, or Jalen Brown were off the court, they would double one of them, no and one. the yeah. offense got stagnant. So now you bring in a guy, you know, Jason Tatum goes and sits out, you know, a couple minutes to rest, and you bring in a guy like Dennis Schroeder, you know, go ahead and try to double Jalen Brown because Schroeder's no slump, man. He's going to go out yeah, there Schroeder and he's going to make you pay. He'll make you pay. He'll hit exactly. shots. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, yeah, you got it. You got it, bro. No, I was just saying also, Ben, just remember how good this man was, uh, how good Dennis Schroeder was coming off the bench for OKC. I was about to say that. I was about to say that. And that's yeah. another prospect I'm in- you know, intrigued with. For sure. You know, man, like, you guys actually make a good point because, like, I don't know if you guys feel the same way. I wouldn't have liked, like, okay, so I wanted the Celtics to build around Brown and Tatum with guys who aren't really going to take as many shots and who are going to, like, you know, sort of fit around them more. And I guess Schroeder, for me, doesn't fit that mold as, like, in the starting lineup in a way. I just kind of looked at him as a starting point guard. But I feel like, I don't know if you guys are with me here, I wouldn't have loved getting Schroeder on like a deal that wasn't like so unreal. I wouldn't no, I'm liked, with you. Yeah. So I would not have liked this move if it wasn't a one year deal. So that, that, that is a good point because if you have him, if you, cause like if you have him in the, on the bench, he's just going to basically be the man off the bench and, really? and it's going to be like an OKC. So that's actually not a bad point. That might and then also to that, that, to add that yeah. point, right? So, so we got him on a cheap deal. He's on a one-year deal. He just missed out on a lot of money. Well, he's going to want to prove that he's still worth a lot of money. If you're a third yeah. in a pecking order in a starting lineup, you're not. You don't feel he might force things and frustrate the locker. Mm-hmm. At least with the six-man role, you're coming in. You're more relied on for the offensive load. So maybe he's not going to be feeling as forced anything, and he's still going to be happy because he's going to get the shots up. And then maybe during down the stretch and stuff. And like I, I told Lucas earlier in the show, man, it's 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 not always about who starts. You know, you can finish. Yeah. He can be the, He can be in this closing lineup. The last five minutes of the game, maybe we do end up going to a Schroeder, Smart, you know, <laughs> Brown, Tatum, and either Horford or Robert Williams, depending on the situation. But, you know, like that's that's something that can happen. It, I, oh. Starting lineups are kind of overrated in my eyes in general. It's more about that's how true. you distribute the minutes and how you close. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. No, but I think that, dude, I think a, a fair deal for Schroeder, like with some length on it, uh, would be like 460. Like the fact that we got a player who's – and that's a very fair deal in my opinion for Schroeder. You get a yeah. player that's <laughs> worth that for $5.9 million when we can still stay underneath the tax for another year. Crazy. Now, crazy, listen, man. I do want the – I will make it clear. I want the Celtics' ownership to pay the tax in this coming season, the next free agency. Because yeah. you have to pay to build a championship really team. Can you explain yeah. that to me really quick, the luxury tax? Like, so we're not – is there like a certain reason no. we're not trying no, to No, so pay? we are. So so currently, as as we speak right now, we are over the luxury tax. Okay. But um, if you factor in Jabari Parker not getting his – like this is non-guaranteed, non-guaranteed money. Guaranteed. So if, yep. if they don't give him that money and they trade Chris Dunn for a second-round pick or whatever, something that does not like cost anything um, – then we will be back underneath the cap or underneath the, the luxury tax apron. So 
where we stand, we're under it, we're over it, but uh, it's a very easy to maneuver to get back. Is there, is there any benefit and, in doing that besides like the owners don't have to pay yeah. out of their pocket? Um, well, yeah, so, because the so, repeater yes. tax it becomes really expensive, and it's, okay, it's, that's what I thought. Yeah, but so if okay, you're in the tax yeah. multiple years in a row, the tax like increases by let's just say a non uh, insignificant amount. So, so you know, a that's her move. Then. I like exactly. That. Exactly. That's what I thought. For like but next year, I will not have thought. this energy about the luxury tax um, because I do believe next year the Celtics ownership will need to pony up some money in order to uh, make this team a truly uh, a true, true title contender. Yeah, I like that. That's actually yeah, that makes sense now. Thanks for clearing that up for me. Of course. Um, yeah, and no worries, one, one little thing too, like so, um, uh, with Horford, so. I don't know how you guys feel. The reason I'm talking about, and you made a good point, how it doesn't necessarily matter how like who starts. My whole thing is like I just don't think we should give Rob too many minutes because I feel like he might be a guy, and I hate to say it because I love watching him and like I love him to be a 30 minute a game guy, but I feel like for his career he might be a guy who's only effective if he's getting 20 25 because he'll be able to stay healthy. And like you saw against the Nets, bro, nine blocks and he only played like 23 minutes, but he might not have had that kind of impact if we gave him like massive minutes and he got exhausted. So I don't know what you guys uh, thoughts are. on that. I mean, I mean, when we drafted him, the, the big concerns was his health and, and his lower body and having the condition health condition that he has. Um, I think they've been really attentive to that and they've been working to get him, you know, strength wise better. Um, he's just had some real freakish injuries. Like he had turf toe, man. Like you can't like it. It's just, it's tough. Know, it happens. So unlucky, and yeah. it, it's, he's just had an unlucky stint with injuries. I think, as far as he he knows how his body feels, I think as long as him and the medical staff are on the same page, um, they can determine how many minutes he'll be able to push and play. But I, I think that, you know, Robert Williams is – this is the year that he needs to show that he can stay on the court because staying on the court is, is valuable. That's, that's a trait you need to have in order to be in the league. And um, another season that, you know, he's coming up for an ad extension next offseason, uh, he, he definitely wants to – wants to play out and show out so that he, he can prove that he still is here for the stay. And, and the Yeah, bro, it's a cliche, but you know what they say, availability is the best ability. Exactly, and bro. And it's a cliche for a reason, man. It truly is. Nicole Jokic. Um, Nicole Jokic. Exactly. But, uh, you know, I do think that, Rob, I understand your concerns. You know, I've had these thoughts about him in the past, but, you know, I, we just got to hope that he can, you know, maintain his body and stay healthy and he's, you know, really taking this seriously because, like Patrick said, He's going to be a restricted free agent uh, not too long. And, you know, he's probably yeah. going to want that uh, that offer sheet to look pretty big. So, you know. Yeah. Horf- I think Horford, too, man. I think for me is – I mean, I was a huge Horford fan of before course. he left. Um, and I still am. I I just – I was watching his tape in OKC. I'm sure you guys agree with this to an extent. Like, I feel like he's not – I feel like that's a huge narrative, especially about people who, like, you know, want to hate on the Celtics – it's a huge, like, hugely overblown narrative that he's, like, washed. Like, true. I really think he looks – he was never a guy who was, like, a crazy athletic or, like, big numbers guy. He averaged he averaged 13 with us, and he was an all-star. Like, he's always been a little – doing the little things, you know, promoting playmaking and and uh, uh, the defense, you know, like the textbook defense in the paint. I don't know, man. I, I love – I feel like he's going to contribute a lot more than people expect. Um, personally. Oh yeah, I mean they shut him down in OKC because he was playing so well. That's right. They were, he was helping him win too many. He was helping him to win. Exactly. Exactly. In in Philly, I mean, it doesn't take a basketball savant to understand he was in a, a, a situation that did not benefit him the most as far as fit. I mean, let's be real here. I mean, he was playing backup five, and you know, it just wasn't the right situation. I Terrible think I fit. Yeah. Understand that. Um, so, you know, I'm not expecting, you know, crazy things from Horford either. I, I don't think he's going to be that 13 point all-star level player. Um, you know, I think he'll be, he'll be good for sure. I think he'll be solid, but I'm not expecting anything crazy. Stretch the floor, play solid defense, get everyone involved. That's all we're asking you to do. And I don't yeah. think, uh, I think he's more than capable of doing that. I think he'll, I think, you know, I'll, I'll get that. Cause I think you guys are, are you guys just like one person up at a time? Like, am I like holding yeah, people up? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. The last thing I'll say is really quick. I don't think his numbers will be like anything like like they won't be better than with us. But I feel like he might have really good impact regardless, just because of, of the way he plays. So I kind of expect him to be like that hidden gem for us, just like he was when he was here. Like sort of like a guy who impacts a lot more. Like he might be like the best backup big in the league with us at least. Um, but we'll see. Um, 
Anyways, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you for appreciate coming you, up, man. For sure. Cool. I always appreciate chopping it up. Thanks, man. All right. Yeah. If anybody else has uh, some questions they want to uh, come up and, and ask, go ahead and uh, request up. Or the hour marks, I'll probably get one more up if anyone wants. But if not, or, thanks, everybody. Or, or write it in the chat, man. Or write it in the chat if you have a question. Thanks. Write it in the chat. Well, Reese, well. I will, I will uh, say that Reese asked a little bit earlier, uh, why hasn't Marcus, ta- Marcus taken the extension? You know, I think he's probably just waiting and mulling it over with his agent, with his team, because, you know, if Marcus has a terrific year, man, 17 annually is going to look like a bargain. So, uh, it can, you know, but I mean, he's just you waiting, know, he's... waiting to see. Ooh. I think too, like a uh, one thing I want to make clear is like if he does end up set, accepting that offer, it does, it's not guaranteed that he stays in Boston. Um, I, I talked to Lucas a little bit about this, like off of the show, and is I feel like if, with an extension, if anything, it, it ups his trade value because now you know you have him at kind of a pretty good price, and he's locked up for four years. So no, if he ends up that, accepting that offer, that that if anything increases his trade value. No, while well, you're using logic and um, you know using sound, you know theory and everything uh yeah you're right but also i would be so upset if we extended smart just to trade him and as would a large portion of the fan base like can you imagine we'd be like we finally locked him up and then they trade him a couple months later i really hope we don't do that honestly just because i don't want bad karma and i love marcus smart but uh, i think what you're saying is factually true man it does make him a more valuable asset uh because you know you have his years and his money locked in yeah, hundred percent. Did you see any any other questions or anything? I'm not getting. Well, I have quest. one more thing. This is obligatory at this point. Sign Frank Nealakina on the minimum. Okay, that's pretty much all I had to add right there. <laughs> you um, really, you really want that to happen? Man. I you really speak do, to- man. It's pretty much off the table at this point, but you know, I had to at least get that in there one time. <laughs> Dennis Schroeder took his spot, man. Dennis Schroeder took his spot. Oh, maybe, yeah, maybe, I can't know, be mad at that. I can't. Maybe, be mad maybe, at that. maybe he takes up uh, Carson Edwards' spot, man. Or oh. You know, Oh, Patrick, don't. You're getting me a little too excited here. Yeah, there's Stop. a possibility. No. There's a route because what, what do you got? You move Chris Dunn, man, because Chris Dunn probably don't yeah, want to. Yeah, Chris Dunn is probably out of town, but. Uh, yeah, they could, could take that spot too. Yeah. All right, well. Yeah, then we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll close it then here. You know, it's been great having everybody come in here, support us. We appreciate you. Once again, go ahead and follow the show. Um, you can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. Anywhere you listen to your podcast, we appreciate um, any support. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family members. Um, you can find both of us on Twitter. Um, you can find the show on Twitter. That's at Hoopball Celtics, man. And do you have any closing things you want to say? Uh, yeah, I'll just have- say to anyone listening, uh, after this has been recorded, uh, go to the App Store, download uh, the Spotify Green Room app, and come just l- l- listen to us live so you can come ask some questions. You know, I love – interacting with people who listen to the show man it's really awesome um so if you guys haven't done that you know you should try to check that out if not um you know listen to us on spotify apple music give us those ratings reviews make me feel good about myself um all righty i think that's all for me patrick all right man well it's been a pleasure man it's uh lucas will uh see you do this again man all right yeah sure Thanks, all right everybody. later